Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. Good morning, One Hope. Good morning. Good to see you guys. It's always such a good feeling when we get to come together like this. I was thinking the other day about the season when COVID was happening and how we were isolated from each other and just the reality of that. That really happened, man. We were really separated from each other and it was difficult and it was hard. Um, But praise God that we are able to be together and join in fellowship and community. I'm excited about being here with you guys today and speaking. I'm excited about what's happening in the church, and I'm excited about all that God is doing. Um, Our young adults ministry has been kicking off, and this Friday, actually, we're going to have our first um, in-home meeting with our home groups, and so I'm really excited about that. And then following that Friday, we're going to do our game night. And again, all these things that we're talking about, it's just opportunities for us to get together and to just be in community and love each other and to love God. And that's what it's all about. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, but before I get into that, I have uh, some stories that I want to share with you guys. And I'm going to be honest, um, it's my own fiction. I made these stories up. And um, <laughs> the point is to be um, entertaining to illustrate the point. And so uh, hopefully that you guys, hopefully you guys will be able to pick up on, on the point that I'm trying to make here. But please play along with me. It's supposed to be funny. So just kind of hee-haw. Even if you don't think it's funny, just humor me, okay? All right, here we go. So a couple weeks ago, there was a guy named Robert. He was an employee at a local department store, okay? And he was assigned a task by his manager. His manager said, Robert, be sure to take the back-to-school display completely down, okay, because the kitchen department is going to move into that spot, all right? So Robert was like, okay, but he was determined to get it done quickly because he had four other projects that he needed to work on, and he was trying to get out of work really quick because he was going to have dinner with his wife. And so he was rushing and forgot one thing, and this was the result of that. Jumping up on that. Can you imagine, like, teachers and parents, like, going in to, like, do some last-minute shopping, like, seeing this is what the store is advertising, right? And so his manager, he comes up to him, and he, he says, Robert, and he, and he says these four words to him. You have one job. You have one job, Robert. Craig and Jeremy, new small business owners of a T-shirt company, They were stoked about seeing their new product come to life. They had this new idea for a t-shirt. And Carmen, their associate, was responsible for the graphic art. And she was eager to see this come to life as well. But she had been working on six other projects. And she was kind of swamped. But this was her first one that she was going to see come to life. And so she was standing next to them, and they were saying, promo is going to go live in three, two, one. (laughs) Yeah. Craig looked over to Carmen. Can you guess what he said to her? You had one job. You had one job. Harvey, the logistics manager of a new packing company, was out with his team. He was celebrating landing his fourth contract with one of the biggest corporations, McDonald's. His night, however, was interrupted by a phone call from a longtime client, Pop Secret Premium Popcorn Brand. Hey, check your email, he said. So he opened his email and found this image. Can you guess what the email said in the subject line? 
You had one job. You had one job. Now, these stories are made to be funny, but there's a truth there, okay? These people were criticized for failing to execute their one job. But if you're paying attention to the details of the story, you picked up maybe on the fact that they were juggling a lot of different projects, right? And they were distracted. And because they were distracted, they lost focus on their main goal. So what is the picture that I'm trying to paint here? This is something that we do in life. We get easily distracted and forget the one main goal. The one main goal. And the reason why I think this happens is because there's a lot of messages communicating to us how we're supposed to live. If you guys are YouTube watchers like me, or if you read a lot of motivational books, or if you're scrolling through Reels or TikToks, you'll hear different people share their opinions on how they think you're supposed to live life best, okay? And you can just fill in the blanks. Some people will say, oh, you need to focus on, on building a business for yourself and, and making sure that you stack your dollars, right? And then the next breath you hear, no, man, it's, it's all about, you know, being a minimalist, man. Let go of corporate America, you know, be a minimalist. Just live off of, off of today and, and what you need for the day. And then somebody else will be like, well, the best way to live is to, to make sure that you understand the, the law of attraction and, and make sure that your vibrations are correct and that people are reading your energy you well and then you hear no man it's all about living your best life and hanging out with your friends you know yolo yolo no it's all about morality and tradition and making sure that this stands the test of time and being the person that is always relied upon this is the best way to live and on and on and on right these are the messages that we hear and it can be confusing we've talked a little bit about the world's wisdom and god's wisdom and i want to take us to a moment in scripture where Jesus was asked a question. And he gave a response that was actually common knowledge to the people that he was talking to then. And for you guys who have been in the church a while, y'all will have heard this as well. But if you know Jesus, you know that he is always using just a few words to drop these mind-blowing truth bombs if you're paying attention to what he's trying to say. And so we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 22 34 through 40. And so if you have your Bibles, grab those. If you've got your phones, grab those. If you don't have a Bible, look down below in the seat in front of you. There's a Bible there. You can grab one of those. Read along with us. And then after the service, you can take those with you. Those are our gifts to you, okay? All right, now let me set up what's happening here. So this uh, is post-Jesus entering Jerusalem, okay? He's gone through the temple, and Jesus has flipped the tables. He's gone ham in there because the money changers were trying to take advantage of the people making offerings and sacrifices to God. And so Jesus has flipped out. He has turned the place upside down. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees are like super upset that he's disrupting what's happening. And so they try to come at him with all these trick questions to try to discredit him, right? But Jesus, you know, being the boss that he is, he like drops these bombs and just leaves them just like, like they don't even know what to say. One of my most favorite moments is when they asked him about paying taxes because the Jewish people were ruled by the Romans and they hated paying taxes to them. And, and the Pharisees and Sadducees, they knew this. And so they asked Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes, right? And it's a trick question because they know if he says, no, you shouldn't pay taxes, then the Romans would be super upset about that. But if he says yes, then he knew that the Jewish people and the people he's trying to lead would be upset with that. 
And then Jesus responds by saying, whose face is on the coin? And they were like, Caesar's? And then he was like, well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar and give to God what is God. Like, drops this bomb, man. And I just, like, see, like, Peter, like, just kind of, like, chilling on the side. You know how Peter is. And just, like, looking at Jesus, like, yeah, man, that's my boy. That's my boy, Jesus, right? Because it's so good, man. I love him. God is so, so smart and so wise. All right, let's get into this word, okay? So we're at Matthew 22, 34 through 40. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, okay, because remember, he's dropping these bombs that don't have anything to say. The Pharisees get together. One of them, an expert in the law, tests him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what we have here is the Pharisees trying to trick Jesus by forcing him to pick one of their 613 laws and tell them which one is the best one. And it's a trick question because they know that all of God's laws are valid, right? And so they're asking, which one's the most important, you know? And what he does, he answers in a twofold response. First, he quotes what's called the Shema, which is a Jewish prayer that they all knew and understood. Um, it, was, it was esteemed one of the highest prayers, okay? And it was very central to their faith. And it's found in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Okay, so this is what he says. He quotes this prayer, but then he adds this second element on. Jesus tells them, yes, loving the Lord your God is the greatest commandment, but it's not complete because the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And they're just like... Uh, because they, they've heard before, yes, we should love the Lord our God. But this, this aspect of loving your neighbor as yourself, it jolts them. Because you could say all day that you love God and you obey his commandments. And this is what the Pharisees were trying to preach. This was their worldview. This is what they understood, right? But if you aren't showing love to your neighbor, people who you call brothers and sisters, people who bear the image of God, human beings, if you're not showing them love, then do you really love God? See, the Pharisees, they weren't concerned with loving others. They were concerned with the law. They were concerned with upholding the law by any means necessary. It did not matter. And that's why they were trying to trick Jesus, because Jesus was coming in, changing these things. He was, he was affecting their, their worldview. And so Jesus was communicating to them, yes, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, right? But you also should love your neighbor as yourself. It is a twofold response. It is one message. When you love God, you love your neighbor. I told you guys before that when Jesus says things, he lays it out very simply, right? But there's always another element underneath what he's trying to say. 
And this is the second part that I want to try to communicate to you guys today when it comes to this idea of you have one job. See, when Jesus said that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, the main way that he was doing that was by dying, right? Being a sacrifice for sin, okay? But Jesus also came to help them understand why the law even exists in the first place. What is the whole point of being here and interacting with each other and how we should live life? This is what Jesus was trying to communicate to them. It's all about love. This life is all about love. This is a, a Rubik's Cube. I know you guys have seen this before. This is the most complicated tool. I, I don't understand how to solve the problem. Can anybody in here solve this? Does anybody have confidence in solving this thing? It is so complex. There's all these patterns, right? And you have to like spin it and you think that you got it right. Like, oh, there's the yellow. But then when you move it like green and it's, it's confusing. What the Pharisees were doing were they were taking their understanding of the law and trying to implement it on people and trying to uphold people to these high standards. You have to, you have to get all these laws right. But it didn't make sense because the law itself wasn't fully enough for people to understand because it was missing the element of love. And this is what Jesus was trying to get them to see. It's not this crazy, confusing mess. You guys are, you're are holding on to this law and y'all are, are calling it loving God. But you guys don't, y'all don't love God because you don't love your neighbor. Look at how you're trying to treat me. The perfect example of this was when they were coming at Jesus about the Sabbath day, which was one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, right? And there were a couple of times in the text where Jesus and his disciples were hungry on the Sabbath day, and so they started picking these, uh, these grains so they could eat. And the Pharisees came at him like, how dare you work on the Sabbath day and feed yourself? It's not lawful to work, right? And then there's another element or another time in, in the text where Jesus heals a person on the Sabbath day. And the Pharisees come in from the, how dare you heal someone on the Sabbath day? It's not lawful to heal, right? They were, they were missing the point. And Jesus is just like, you guys, y'all don't get it. It is not about upholding this law and striving to be perfect. It's about love. You see, life it's supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be easy. It's not easy. Does anybody in here agree that life is easy? If you think life is easy, raise your hand. Those of you that are watching online, there is no hand up in the room because they know, as well as you know, as well as I know, that life is not easy right? They, people will tell you that, man, yeah, life is easy. Just live it up. Life is easy. Just, just stack your dollars. And, no. But life is supposed to be simple. As simple as stacking these bricks on top of the other. And this is what Jesus is trying to get them to understand. 
You love the Lord your God. You love your neighbor as yourself. When you do this, you are living life to the fullest. You guys are trying to uphold the law and y'all are trying to make everything super complicated and figure it all out. And I can't even heal people because y'all think it's wrong. Even though this man is dying, I can't eat because of the Sabbath. No. Because you see, what Jesus understood was he understood that God is not after our perfect execution of all the things that we think we need to do right. He wasn't after them upholding the law to perfection. God is after our hearts. Yes, there is wisdom in remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. But that's just half of it. And that's what Jesus came to help them understand. The Sabbath day was made for man. But if someone, if someone is hurting, if someone is hungry on the Sabbath day, then we feed them, we, we love them. God's concern isn't so much about our actions, but our intentions. Let's just digest that. God's concern isn't so much about our actions, but our intentions. Not the what that's happening, but the why. And this is what Jesus was trying to get them to understand about the law. The law is there to show us, to paint a physical picture of what it means to love, but loving actually happens from the heart. There's a story in the book of Joshua with a woman named Rahab. Okay, she lived in a city that was promised to the Israelites by God, and they were coming to take it over. There were two spies who went into that city, and they were spotted by Rahab. They were Israelite spies. She spotted them, and then she hid them, and then she lied about it to the people that were asking about them. She lied. The soldiers came, and they were like, where are the two men? She's like, I don't know. I don't know where they are. She lied. Right? Why did she do it? One, because she feared God, and she knew that the Israelites were going to come and take over. And she wanted to save them so that she could save her family. Now, the Pharisees would have been like, how dare you lie? That's the great one of the Ten Commandments. You should not lie. But this is the point that, we're, that I'm, I'm trying to get you guys to understand and what Jesus is trying to communicate to us, that it's not just about the law. There's more. There's more to be seen. There's more to understand. They didn't understand that the law was actually about love. And this is what Jesus was trying to get them to see, a very simplified message. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself, this embodies all of the law. All of the law. Because all of the law points to that very understanding. It's all about love. There's a proverb that says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything that you do flows from it. The beauty in that 
is that God wants us to understand that our hearts and the condition of our hearts is really the result of the things that we do. Our actions that we take, the way that we treat people, the way that we love God, the way that we interact with the world, it all stems from the condition of our hearts. So, coming back to this idea of our one job, making sure that our hearts are in the right condition, that our hearts are softened, and that our hearts belong to God. This is the one true job that we have as human beings, especially followers of Jesus. That's why he commands us to love. True love can do no wrong. And this is our ultimate pursuit. And Paul says this so plainly in his letter to the Romans when he says, love does nothing wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. See, the, the wisdom of the world tells us that in order to find your purpose and live well, you have to demonstrate X, Y, and Z, right? X, Y, and Z. Make sure that you have your money right and make sure that your family's taken care of, but you also have to make sure that you take care of yourself and you can't let people step over you, but you also have to make sure that you make people believe that, that you think that they're, they're good. But then you also have to make sure that you're, you're juggling all of that and taking care of your responsibilities at work and taking care of your business and taking care of your family and all these things, right? And it's just like, this is not it. All those things are good in context, but the why behind it, that's what really matters. And Jesus is saying to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you love God, if you make that your number one pursuit, loving him with all your heart, everything that you are, the overflow of that will be loving your neighbor. And the result of that will be a heart that is able to just simply do good do good things to live simply it's not about this all this noise and chaos it is about being very very simple in life love God and love your neighbor as yourself it's a condition of our hearts now, I know this is not some super profound message that I'm sharing with you guys. I know y'all have heard this before. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? But Scott says all the time to us, it's one thing to hear it, and it's one thing to know it. But it's another thing to do it, amen? So can we truly ask ourselves today, like right now in this moment, Do we make intentional effort to love God and our neighbor? Is that our number one goal in life? Do we allow all the things that we do every day in all your individual lives, is it focused on loving God? Or are we distracted by all the noise and all the different things that we have to do to achieve and to do life well. 
Are we just adding loving God to our agenda? Are we just making it a part of all the other things that we have to do, like the people that I illustrated earlier in, this, in the stories of the, the you have one job, where they know that they have one goal, one focus, right, but they're distracted by all the other things. And the result ends up being not something that they wanted. So here's the challenge for us. Three actions. First, can we agree to reject the complex method of the Pharisees and receive the simple way of Jesus? Can we release ourselves from thinking that life is supposed to be this complicated thing? Have you guys ever heard this saying, like, life is a game? Life is a game, right? Jesus is showing us, no, that's not true. Life is not a game. Life is about love. And so can we choose to release ourselves from thinking that life is a game and that life is, is supposed to be this, this thing that we're supposed to try to figure out and be better at, than the other person? This is not the way that God wants us to live. It doesn't please him when we try to live this way, when we put ourselves above others, when we try to focus on all the nuances and all the, the things of life that, that pull us away from turning our eyes and our attention to him. Because he didn't create us to live that way. He created us to live in community with love and purpose. This is what we were meant to do. Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. What does that mean? That means that his way, following him, leads to simplicity. I know there's a bunch of tired people in this room. Tired because you've been hammered by life beat up by trying to run the race and, and build something and, and do all the things right and take care of your family and be the perfect person and look great and, and all these things that we try to do. But Jesus says there's a, there's a better way to live. There's a more simple way to live. It doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be this crazy thing if you would just trust me and just focus on loving God, just pursuing him, everything else will fall into place. You will love your neighbor because you do love God. You will do well in your workplace because you're caring about what you're doing because you care about people because you care about God. You will take care of your families and you will love them well because you love God. It's an overflow The second thing is to make an intentional effort to love God. And I use that word effort because it is something that we have to do. We, 
it's, it's real easy to go throughout life and just kind of on autopilot, right? Like, I just wake up in the morning, like, our bodies, we have these routines. Like, I wake up, you know, we might say a prayer or so, and then we go and brush our teeth, take a shower, whatever. We go about our day and do our things. We love our families, whatever. It's only when something jolts our patterns. That's when, we, that's when we're alert, and we, we make effort to make changes, Right? The challenge today is to, to choose to be that way with your relationship with God. To make intentional efforts to love God. And that's only done in relationship. Right? It's only done in relationship with the Lord. You have to be in relationship to fall in love with God. You can't have this, this transactional, you know, I come to God only when I need him, like Pastor Scott was talking about last week. Because if you do that, you will not grow in your love for God. It's about time, spending time with him and connecting with him. Can you imagine if I walked up to some girl on a first date and I was like, what's up, my name's Kalikas and I'm in love with you. Well, that girl would be like, uh, you're weird, and I'm going home, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? There's no, because there's no relationship there. There's no time. There's no, there's nothing there. Just because we know God doesn't mean that we love God, and he knows that. And so we have to make an intentional effort to love God, and we have to do it daily, every single day, just work at it a little bit at a time, because this is our main focus, Right? loving God. And the third thing is we need to be willing to receive, to recognize and receive God's grace to help us. We've all said that life is not easy. We know that life is hard. And it's not easy to love God, can we be honest? In our sin nature, loving God is not easy. All of you guys, I'm sure, have different reasons on why it's difficult to love God every day. But this is what's so good about him, that he doesn't leave us to just pursue loving him on our own. God gives us the beautiful gift of grace. And grace is something that he offers that empowers us to deal with the struggle of loving him and loving our neighbors. It helps us when we're weak. And his grace and his mercies are made new every single day. He has new mercy and grace for us. The Bible ends in the book of Revelation with this statement. It says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. That is how the Bible ends. With that statement, may the grace of the Lord Jesus. This is so powerful because God has given us his son, Jesus. Jesus left his kingdom. He came down here on earth. He taught us how to love God and love our neighbor. And then he gave his life as atonement for our sins. And then he sent us his spirit to empower us to love him. And then he gave us grace to help us do it every day. 
And then on top of that, he gave us a promise of eternity spent in his love with him and with those who love him as well. Jesus is worthy of our love and our adoration. He is worthy to be our one pursuit, our one job, our one focus, because he gave everything. So in the world of complex confusion on trying to figure everything out and do life perfectly and live by the law, Jesus gives us a simple understanding on how to live. Just love God. Just build your life on my love. Just build your life on my love. One of the beautiful ways that we can express our love to God is through the act of worship. It's vulnerable, it's sacrificial, it's intimate. All the things that love is. And so church, will you stand with me? We're gonna move into this time of worship. And in this moment, will you be willing to offer God your vulnerable worship today in love? And will you, in doing that, think on the things that God has done for you. Think on all that he is doing for you right now and will do for you in the future. I know that life is hard. I know that life is complicated. But God has given us the answer to how to live simply and beautifully. It's by loving him and loving our neighbor. So we're going to move into this time of worship. The altars are open. If you need to come and pray to the Lord, to offer to him, maybe something that you've been holding on to, or if you need to pray on behalf of someone else, and show your neighbors love by praying for them. This is the time that we want to do that. But allow yourselves to be vulnerable in worship and love God as we lean into this. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you make life simple for us. We thank you, Lord, that in a world of noise and chaos and trying to do things right, you tell us that it is simple. If we just love you and love our neighbor, we will be fulfilling our purpose. And we thank you that you help us do it by giving us your grace. And so in our thanksgiving, Lord, we turn and we worship you for all that you have done for us. Receive our worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.